you have one person who's controlling another person's ability to get money. So maybe that's work or somehow acquire money to use their money. So maybe they're not able to spend it freely or have any autonomy over what they spend it on or to maintain their financial resources. So maybe that means taking all your cash or not letting you have a bank account, something along those lines. So if you have somebody that is doing one of those three things, that kind of falls under this financial abuse category. Will you outlast your money? Do you stay awake at night worrying about providing for your family? Are you making the right decisions about your investments? There are many life-changing decisions that arise and questions you want answered when going through divorce or after you've received your settlement. This is the Financially Ever After podcast, where you'll hear stories of women like you and get advice from the industry's top professionals. Here's your award-winning and nationally recognized host, Stacey Francis. Welcome to Financially Ever After I am your host, Stacey Francis, and so excited to have our guest, Genevieve Anderson. She is a financial advisor like myself and has created her own financial wellness coaching business. She works with people using a 12-step recovery process to take control of their finances, teaching them how to invest, build wealth, and create good, healthy money habits. I have to tell you, she's my soul sister. How about that? Hallelujah. We need more women teaching and more women learning all about this. But something that you don't know about Genevieve is that her path has not been easy. Genevieve was in a a very unhealthy relationship. Her marriage was crumbling because of alcohol abuse. Her husband couldn't hold a job and he relied on her so much so that it became unhealthy and is what is properly labeled financial abuse. Financial abuse is the abuse most people just don't really talk about, especially not around the dinner table. But Genevieve is here to help you understand what this is, the key signs and how you can move on from the situation in a healthy way. She gives examples of not only her own personal experience, but working with clients, helping them create a healthy, happy life and remove themselves from the situation. And make sure you stay to the end because that's when we give you even more resources so that you can protect yourself, protect your family, and put yourself on the path to long-term financial security. So without further ado, please help me welcome our special guest today, Genevieve Anderson. Genevieve, it's great to have you here. We're going to be talking about some things that most people don't talk about, at least at the dinner table. But before we jump into this, I know you are a wellness coach and work with a lot of individuals about living their best life and also talking about finances. Number one, a great big welcome, but I am just fascinated to hear a little bit more about how you got into this field. Yeah, sure. So I'm a finance coach and I work with a lot of women, but also a lot of people who are like in 12-step programs. 
And there's a couple of different things that inspired me to start working through here through, you know, as a finance coach. The first one was definitely my friends and family. So I have been working in finance for over 12 years and I have a lot of people that would naturally reach out with questions and just, can you give me a quick tip for this? I'm in this situation. What do I do? And so it made me start thinking that there really is a larger need for financial literacy that just isn't being met through banks and maybe traditional channels. And then I also started to recognize that there was a big gap in how and where we get financial help. So, you know, I kind of see it two ways. If you have a lot of assets, it's really easy to find a wonderful financial advisor to really help you navigate you know, your financial journey. If you don't have a lot of assets, it might be easy to go to your local bank or credit union and ask for help around how to create a budget or how to pay down debt, some of those simple processes. But once you're in the middle, it's really hard to figure out where to go. You're kind of at this impasse. And so I help a lot of folks who are maybe just starting to make a little bit more money. They're making more than they're spending on a consistent basis or they're learning how to invest or how to take their money to the next level. And so that's one thing I'm, I'm really passionate about. I feel like I want to help those folks that are in the middle and kind of working really to better their financial situation and build that long-term wealth and legacy. I'm pretty familiar with a lot of the needs and wants of the 12-step community. So I really have a lot of clients who fall into that group. And I love seeing the transformations that they've already made in their life and then being able to help them make a financial transformation. It's really fun to see people succeed in that way and to really do more with money and be more confident with money than they ever thought possible. I love your focus and it's interesting for many people, they may kind of wonder, why would a financial advisor have a financial wellness coach on her podcast? But, you know, really, we, we do different things in certain ways. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of crossover too, but there are certain clients that the support that we give them, they need another step, even beyond what we're able to provide. And one of these areas is a big topic that I alluded to before the topic that we don't really talk about at our dinner table, and that is financial abuse. And it's a heavy topic. It's a topic that unfortunately not enough people know about. I personally have seen this. 95% of abusive relationships have elements of financial abuse. And that was 100% of the case with my grandmother. And she stayed in an abusive marriage, one that actually ended up costing her her life. And she shared that she felt financially trapped and she had to report in what she was spending and it was always too much. And it wasn't because she was a big shopper, but I'd love to talk about, have you seen this Genevieve with some of the clients that you've worked with? And if so, how does it present? How does it show up? What does financial abuse look like? This is the tricky part. There are so many forms. It's so hard to put into a box. And I think this is why maybe why we don't talk about it as much is because it's hard to really put inside a definition. The best kind of definition I can tell you is something along the lines of you have one person who's controlling another person's ability to get money. So maybe that's work or somehow acquire money. 
to use their money. So maybe they're not able to spend it freely or have any autonomy over what they spend it on or to maintain their financial resources. So maybe that means taking all your cash or not letting you have a bank account, something along those lines. So if you have somebody that is doing one of those three things, that kind of falls under this financial abuse category. And this could be in so many relationships. So a lot of times, I think maybe you experience this too. I feel like in the finance industry, we're really focused on elder abuse, like elder financial Mm -hmm. abuse. There's a lot of awareness out there. There's a lot of support programs, but we don't really talk about when it's a parent-child relationship or whether it's a friend or a coworker. I know I've helped somebody and this sounds crazy, but it was somebody they employed who was taking advantage of this situation. And of course, it could be a spouse or somebody, a partner who's living in your home as well. So there's lots of different lenses, but those are kind of the three main criteria. And I think what's difficult about financial abuse is that physical abuse is against the law. We know that, but financial abuse can be very blurry and it's not considered a violation in the law, except for certain extreme situations. So abusers tend to feel less worried about being caught. And often I have seen that it doesn't start out as financial abuse. It might start off as your partner says, you're so busy. I see how stressed you are. Why don't I start paying the bills? And then slowly you're stepping back from that. And when you want to lean in, you're no longer being invited or really allowed and being able to engage. And so it can be difficult because it's kind of like the frog in the pot of water that if it starts off as lukewarm water and you slowly turn it up, that frog doesn't realize until it's too late to jump out. And I think for a lot of our listeners here today, it can be really confusing because it doesn't happen all at once. In some ways, at least for my grandmother, the physical abuse was, I don't want to say easier because it was not, but she knew what it was and she knew it was wrong. You should never hit someone. Mm -hmm. But the financial abuse, she had a harder time really understanding that what he was doing was not right. The quote unquote allowance, the spending limits, threatening to cut off financial support because of a disagreement, Mm -hmm. limiting her access to their money together, even her account, controlling all the money that was spent and not allowing someone to have a career, taking money from someone without even them knowing. And What's interesting is that each one of these may not feel significant, but typically in financial abuse, you start to see they're almost like building blocks. And the longer the financial abuse happens, the more of these building blocks go on top of each other. And also sometimes the behavior becomes more significant. So if you see this, like, how do you help someone recognize that this isn't right? Yeah, I think there are a lot of key signs to look for. And what you're kind of talking about is 100% true. And I've experienced this myself. So I understand where that's coming from. And a lot of these things start small. And what that does is it really conditions you for a lot of the bigger things that happen down the line. 
So there's a couple of different signs that I always tell people to kind of be on red alert. You know, if we think of the red flags, these are the ones that you want to look for. So first is any way to control, even if it sounds helpful, which you just alluded to, right? So you sound stressed or I can handle that. I know in my situation, that was definitely sound really similar. It was, don't worry, I'll take care of everything. Don't worry. Don't you worry. I will take care of everything. And in a weird way, and I think this is just from the viewpoint of being a young woman, in a weird way, I kind of wanted that. In a strange way, I, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't maybe value my independence at the time as much as I do now. And in a weird way, somebody saying, don't worry, I'll take care of all of this was like, oh yeah, this sounds great. <laughs> yeah. It's like someone, can I clean your house for me? Can I clean yeah. your house for you? Yes, please do. Please clean my house for me. That would yes. be, I mean, it's, who's going to say no to that? Sounded good at the time. Some other phrases that sound really, may sound really good. So just give me some cash. I'll handle that. Or I'll take care of all the bills. Or don't you, you don't need access to an account. I don't want to stress you out. Or that makes you kind of ask permission. So anything where there's looking for ways to control. The second one is going to be not being transparent or basically being dishonest, lying, anything like that. So if you say maybe you're new in a relationship or maybe you're married and you just haven't done it yet and you're saying, you know what, maybe we need to review our credit report together and somebody feels really reluctant. Or let's look at these bills together. Let's pull out this credit card statement and go line by line and see what's up. And somebody says, I don't want to do that, or maybe makes a mess, or there might be deflection, something like that. Maybe they're claiming to pay bills, but they, you find out that they don't get paid, or they're opening credit cards in your name, which that is an illegal act, so that's fraudulent. But anything along those lines where they're stealing, they're lying. For me, this came as a result of substance abuse, where somebody was taking money out of our account and lying about the purpose and took a while to figure that one out. So it could be any of those things. The third one is going to be exploring your resources, which you also kind of mentioned with your grandmother, right? If she was not able to work or have a career or sabotaging. have a career. Yep. yep. And like you said, this also starts small too. And this can also take place maybe if you are working and somebody's taking advantage of the money that you're bringing in. That could be, I'll pay you back next time. <laughs> or can you cover this yeah. one for me? And it starts small. It might start with dinner, it might start with a date night, and then it's going, it might increase to a car payment or a credit card payment or a rent payment mm -hmm. or your mortgage payment. Yeah. So again, it's all about that conditioning behavior. That's definitely something to look out for. You know, Genevieve, I'm, I'm really so happy that you're coming forward to say, I experienced this. You're smart. You're driven. It's not about that. I feel like we have an idea of her, mm -hmm. the financial abuse victim. We'll say the word victim. Now, I don't like that word. I like survivor, but for this purposes. And the thing is, is that there is no picture of her. This happens to women who are the breadwinners. This happens to women who are some of the most successful women in their career in the United States. This also happens to the woman who is the stay-at-home mom, who is a feminist and very strong about her rights, that it doesn't happen overnight. And again, it's like the frog. You don't realize it until something happens where you're like, wait. And then what do you do about it? So you've talked a little bit about some of those signs that 
help kind of bring us to that point. For you, did you have like a moment where you're like, hey, there's something wrong here? Yes. I want to touch on what you were just saying about the different vision of who this person is as well. Because recently too, there's been a couple of even store, I feel like there's been a lot of leak of stories, documentaries. If you're familiar Mm -hmm. with on Netflix, they have Bad Vegan. I think there was the Tindler Swindler. And I have seen in the online community, such a backlash for the women who were featured in those documentaries. How could they? They look so smart. They must be dumb. They clearly didn't see it. They must be so emotionally needy that they need it. You know, we're throwing out all of these things. And I think that's a prime example to say that the women in those documentaries and the women that we see all around, and I'm going to include myself in this, we're not dumb. You know, there's nothing wrong with us. So I want to also say if you are maybe in this situation or you feel like you have been in this situation in the past, don't put that on yourself and know that it's not your fault and it's not embarrassing and that it happens to so many people then that we even realize. So just wanted to throw that out there because I think just in recent times, there's been a lot of unkind words and harsh criticism against women who have been in that situation. Yeah. And and I'll just give kudos to the Netflix documentary, The Tindler Swindler. I haven't seen Bad Vegan, but I watched the Tinder Swindler. Can't say that fast five times. (laughs) Okay. FYI, I was just riveted at how this person could get away swindling so many women and how long it took the legal system to number one, catch up with him. Right. But number two, Genevieve, exactly what you said. I looked at the comments Mm -hmm. that were written about these women and some were very much, I'm so sorry. I can't believe you had to go through this. No one should ever go through having tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars taken from you. But there was a good number who just didn't get it. Yeah. They didn't get it. Obviously, they must be living on another planet. I saw a lot of the comments that said too, very much like this could never be me. I would never let somebody do that. I would be smarter, you know, and unfortunately it doesn't always work That's not the case. That's not the case. What was kind of your aha moment? So- we discussed there's all these different signs that are kind of popping up. So I definitely had some of these smaller ones that were popping up. And we talked about kind of the interference with the ability to make money. For mine, it was more of the exploiting the resources. So during our time together and due to a lot of addiction in my partner, my ex-husband, there was a lot of job loss lot of it involuntarily. And so there was one specific situation where the job was feeling a little iffy. And I said, you know what, even if you feel like you're going to get fired, get fired, because then we can get unemployment that can help. Yeah. Unemployment. Yeah. To help pay some of the bills. And the next day found out that he quit. So that means all of the household expenses were now up to me. And luckily I did have a career, but at the same time, it's so much pressure to put on somebody to take care of a full household when you're used to having two people work. Yeah. They're sabotaging their own career through addiction issues. Yes. 
So in addition to him putting the burden of all of our household expenses, including a lot that were his and not mine on, you know, my shoulders and feeling the weight of that due to the addiction that my ex-husband had, it also put my career at risk. I was licensed in the financial industry. So because it's a highly regulated industry, there was always kind of that fear and you do have to be careful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, you really do. So for all the women out there right now that are listening, saying, wow, there's something not right. There are too many of these things I am seeing or identifying with. What would you recommend? What would you recommend to them? Do they go and talk to a therapist? Do they go to a matrimonial attorney? Do they speak to their mom or a sister? What do you do? So I can give you a couple of things that you can kind of try to implement. Maybe you feel like it's early stages and you can try to implement and then can give some ideas if you feel like you're in it and kind of where to go. So if you are feeling kind of early stages in that, I really want you to encourage you to set financial boundaries within your relationship. This is something I wish I did a lot sooner. Identify what are my responsibilities? What is this person's responsibilities? What are our responsibilities together? And then be intentional about that. So I think one thing I did is I just kind of made decisions on the fly, being young, that's probably part of it, but being a little bit more intentional about why am I covering this person's bill or why am I not going to work today? Why do I have to call out sick for this person or whatever that may be? The second thing is to try to keep some finances separate. And I know that's not everybody's favorite answer. feel like I get a lot of heat for that one all the time, but it is important for every person, whether you're a a man or a woman to have some autonomy over your money. So even if you are not working right now, that could be asking your partner to say, Hey, I would feel really great if we could put X amount into an account just for myself. And it doesn't have to be a huge amount can be a small amount. And if somebody really has an issue with that, then you're going to count that as your red flag in your head. The third thing is just being more transparent. So again, asking to sit down with those bills, asking to be a part of the conversation. And that's so important, not just for this topic, but really for any relationship for and everything. any topic, yeah. right? How many yeah. times do we see women who are recently divorced or widowed and come in and have no idea where everything is? So that's really important. If you are not married yet, I always team prenup here and I'm always going to tell you to If you don't get the prenup, at least understand the laws in your state and what that could mean for you. Again, this is definitely something I wish I would have done, which saved me thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the challenge is, is everybody thinks about, you know, if God forbid we get a divorce, we split the assets and, but what if it's debt? And what if you were not the one that created the debt. You have to split that debt too. And MasterCard and Visa, American Express, they've got great commercials, but they don't care about us personally. And if your name is on the card, it doesn't matter whether or not you created the debt. And it also doesn't matter what the divorce agreement says. You're still on the hook. Yes. And we don't realize that, especially if this is someone who has been taking advantage, how can you trust them? Right. And Every state is a little bit different. So understanding what money is protected with you, what it isn't. I I was very naive to that. So I would recommend if you are thinking about tying the knot to definitely do a little bit of research. And with that being said, when it comes to any financial documents, power of attorney documents, make sure you understand 
what you are signing before you sign it. So that Mm -hmm. how many times have we seen, you know, especially in very wealthy marriages, perhaps a wife or somebody signing over something and they don't even know what that means. They don't know what those business documents mean. So protect yourself. Those legal documents can be a really big deal. And then as far as how to get out and how to move forward, 100%, you mentioned it earlier, talking to a counselor or a therapist is the number one thing that you can do. I feel like I did that. It was so helpful to bounce what was going on off of a third party because that third party, that professional is going to be able to tell you this is normal behavior or this is not normal behavior. And when you've been in it, especially when you've been in it for a long time, we kind of lose that sense of normality. Not that every relationship has to be super normal, but there are some guidelines that we want to follow and some healthy guidelines that we want to follow in our relationship and a professional can help you identify that. So that would a hundred percent be my recommendation. And there's so many communities, there's organizations, there's so many low cost counseling options that are now available, you know, take advantage of them and just realize that you're not alone. And I know sometimes we all have trouble raising our hand for help. I know I have that a little bit, so I can relate, but it's the best decision you you might be able to make for yourself. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And, and having an outside professional opinion is really helpful because normally our gut is right. And sometimes we just need another person to give us that confidence in ourselves to know that it is right. And I want to go back to the the piece that you talked about of having finances separate. And mm-hmm. I will tell you, I am a fan as well. I'll just share my story. So my husband and I are celebrating our 20th anniversary. We've been together, I don't know, 22, 23 years. We're pretty darn happy. <laughs> Congratulations. Today, That's it. <laughs> yeah. And except we were driving into Cambridge today in England and I saw it's going to be 15 minutes for one mile. And I had a shortcut and he decided not to go to it. And my shortcut would have saved us at least five minutes. But anyways, other than that, other than those, you know, driving, <laughs> driving issues, Every um, fight I've ever had with my partner now is over driving. It is. It is. I, I feel like I should just like blindfold myself or be the one driving. But oh, we okay. especially was helpful when we got married. We had the his, hers, and ours fund. And I set it up on mint.com. And every month we would have, you know, this is the percent. And we did each a percentage of our salaries based on how much he made versus yep. I made into the hours. And then we each had our own, what we called fun funds. And for me, my favorite thing about that fun fund was to not spend any of it and save every dollar. There you go. And that is me. And for him, his fun fund was to spend every dollar. And usually (laughs) by the 15th of the month, he'd come to me and say, I'm seeing on mint.com, your fun fund has not even been touched. Can I use it? And I will tell you, Genevieve, I said no. no. And no, that is my fun fund. And eventually I did, you know, I did buy a few things. Yeah. I know you guys can't see me right now, but I have a really, really pretty gold necklace on that is part of that fun fund. And we found a great way to work together as a team. And it doesn't mean that we don't love each other. I He is the love of my life. But for me to have my own money, it gives me a sense of security. And and I know mm-hmm. that a lot of this comes from seeing my grandmother and her yeah. struggle and her not having access to funds. And there's no abuse. There's nothing like that. But my gosh, I don't want to have to go to my husband to say, can I go 
get a really nice necklace for myself. Honestly, I think it makes money management a lot easier. It's money that you don't really have to worry about totally budgeting for and you can use to however you wish. I love that system too. A hundred percent. I've, I've seen couples use a lot of systems. I have seen it all. I feel like in hundreds of clients and I will tell you hands down that one comes with like the less uncomfortable conversation, (laughs) the least amount of conflict. So hundred percent agree with you there. I love that. And just to also support you, you know, for all of you thinking about prenups or postnups, go to Financially Ever After. We have a few episodes that we've done specifically on that because you do want to make sure that what you're signing is good for you. This is especially if you're going to be giving up your career and staying at home mm-hmm. to have your career be raising the children. If you're giving up a, a job or a career yourself, or if you're going to be moving abroad for mm-hmm. your spouse's job, there are just so many things. You want to make sure that you're protected. So be sure to listen to those. And exactly what you said, Genevieve, go to a lawyer in your state, either a matrimonial attorney or a very good trust and estate attorney to walk you through that. And as far as the getting help, in the beginning, I I spoke about how financial abuse is present in 95% of abusive marriages. There's typically other bad behavior. So know that in the show notes, we'll have a, a link to the National Domestic Abuse Hotline too, so that you can talk to someone confidentially to be that second opinion, that voice of support. Sometimes financial abuse can actually turn to be physical abuse where it hasn't been present in a marriage if there is a conflict that is that significant around money. And so you do need to be careful. And the process for leaving is not the same process where this isn't present. There often needs to be more thought, more planning, Mm -hmm. and more resources in place. And for you, Genevieve, when someone has made that decision that this is no longer right for them. Do you see a, a span of different timeframes of when they actually are able to move on that choice? Yes, 100%. So, you know, I can just tell you even like in my personal experience, it did. It took at least six months. And I know for some people it might take years. It might take five years. So there is a long time. And like you said, sometimes especially if there's other forms of abuse going on, you do want to plan that out. And that can take some time to build up those resources too. But obviously, if you feel like you are in a dangerous situation, I would encourage you to try to separate yourself as soon as possible. I think it's also really important. I'm glad that you shared that, Genevieve, because we as women, sometimes we judge ourselves. You know, you've made that decision you want to leave and you want it to be yesterday but sometimes it just can't happen. And also a person who has never faced this situation or hasn't lived through it with a friend or a loved one, it can be very hard for them to understand why you can't just leave. I'll be honest. I, I saw this throughout my whole life with my grandmother and I was also angry with her angry Mm. as hell with my grandfather. He was, excuse my language, a fucking asshole. Yeah. And I'm sure I'm not supposed to say that on a podcast. But there's no other, no other words to describe him, but I was also angry with her for staying. And it wasn't until I really started to educate myself and was able to learn more that she wanted to leave. It's just, she didn't have the resources. She didn't have the support to be able to make that move. 
you know, yeah, she probably that. didn't have the confidence. So mm-hmm. going through something like this, I know for me, one big loss was a loss of self-confidence. I felt maybe like I didn't deserve to leave. I'm the one who got myself into this. So I don't deserve to get out of it. What am I going to do when I'm alone? Do I want to be alone? I'm going to be alone forever. So you start to think about it. And you also think usually if people who are doing this, they're pretty good at making promises. And sometimes you really want to believe those promises. So a lot of times you're thinking next year will be different. The year after that will yeah. be different. Yeah. After yeah. XYZ, it's going to be different. This person promised me it's going to be different. I have to give them a chance. I have to give them 10 chances, 20 chances. So there's a lot of things that go through your head. I will say, if you are not in a dangerous situation, if you have the ability to go to a counselor and to kind of build up that confidence, they're going to make a lot of great suggestions. I know I had a lot of great suggestions that were made actions that I could take small actions, not big actions small things, going for a walk by myself, doing something that I wanted to do, valuing myself just a little bit more. And then you kind of have the the momentum and a little bit of that confidence to kind of say, to speak up and to say, this is what I want, or this are the, these are the things that need to change. And then if they don't change, you can at least say to yourself, well, hey, I did my absolute very best. And I tried with all my might. And then you can kind of leave with a very confident about the situation, feeling good about the situation instead of feeling bad about it. Well, Genevieve, I cannot thank you enough for being here. Tell our listeners more about how they can contact you, you know, how you work with individuals and what that might look like. Sure. So again, as I kind of stated at the beginning of the podcast, I am a big fan of spreading more financial literacy. And I do that primarily. You can find me through Instagram and that's where You can get a lot of great free information and content. My handle is at holistic.personal.finance. And I work with folks on a one-on-one basis. I have a 12-week coaching program that tends to be pretty transformative. And it's a lot of people don't believe me, but it's actually a lot of fun. (laughs) You know, I I believe you. Yeah, ladies come in I and they're I like, oh, finances are fun. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> a lot of a lot of people come in and they they don't feel excited about it. by the end of the time we are always laughing, we are having a good time talking about money. So it is possible, I promise. And what's great about one-on-one coaching is again, I can really focus on one person's specific goals because everybody is so different. So there's no judgment, there's no one size fits all formula. Everybody is very different and we take that into mind. And you can find more information on that at my website. So it's holisticpersonal.finance slash coaching. Okay. So why don't you say that one more time? And and all of you listening, we're going to have that in the show notes too. So Genevieve, if you want to just say that URL again, for those of you, and those of you driving, again, no, no writing this down. (laughs) This is already in the show notes, but for those of you who can write it down really quickly. Perfect. It's at holisticpersonal.finance slash coaching. Love it. Love it. And I love the name. I love the name of what you're doing. Well, thank you so much for being here. And for all of you out there listening, if you're identifying with this, or if you know of someone that you love that you're worried about, don't just sit there reach out to someone to support you, whether that's uh, Genevieve here or that's the National Helpline and Hotline for Domestic Abuse. Don't just sit there. 
don't just sit there and let this continue to happen. Take those baby steps. And I appreciate how you share that often it's the baby steps that help us it to, is. to start to move in that right direction. Yep. Start small and you'll be surprised what those things can compound to. Well, thank you again for being here. Yeah. Thank you so much again, Stacy, and take care of everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is a tough topic. And as you can tell, it's not an easy topic for me to talk about, but we need to talk about it. There are more women suffering from financial abuse than we can really truly grasp. And it has to stop. The way it's going to stop is for us supporting them. And if it's ourselves getting the help that we need to start our journey, to be able to prepare, to be able to plan, to leave and put us in a safer position. Please check out all the fantastic resources that you'll see in the show notes. And if you have any individual questions that I can help you with, please do reach out. You can email me at Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at FrancisFinancial.com. Even if we're not the right financial advisors for you, I don't care. I want to help you. And I know hundreds of advisors, fantastic resources, therapists, and coaches who can help you wherever you are in your journey. The most important thing is for us to have the support we need. And that's what we're here for. Please visit our website, www.francisfinancial.com. And I'm sending you the biggest hug that any podcast could possibly ever deliver without having a hiccup or having a, a technical problem. So please accept that hug and know how much we care about you. And thank you for taking the time to listen in. Thank you.